Look, today, before we kind of get into the message, I, I wanted to bring some attention to what's going to be starting next week and all through the month of January. Um, the first week of, of, of January, we're going to actually be having a, a pretty significant special service kicking off 2020. Um, we're going to be talking kind of about what's coming up in 2020. And one of those things is we're going to be talking about our Ocean Springs location and uh, sort of the timeline and some things that are going to be going to be happening. We have some super important announcements to make next week. And so I want to encourage all of you to make plans to be here, uh, to know what's coming up. Uh, One thing about Northwood Church is that whenever we start a new location, it's we start a new location. It's not a few people that are kind of like breaking off and going do their own thing and, uh, you know, or something negative. It's actually something that we celebrate and and we're extremely excited to to have the opportunity to do and, uh, and, and that God's blessed us to a place where where we actually can, can continue to move forward in vision. And so I want to encourage you to be here, encourage you to bring some friends and uh, kind of hear what's, what's going on. And then the second week in January, we're going to be starting our January series. And you just saw the, the, the video there. It's called Don't Miss It. And uh, I, I want to also kind of bring this to your mind. I think this would be an incredible series to bring some friends out to and to really invite people uh, to, as well as for for yourself. But we're going to be talking about not missing it, past, present, and future. You know, there's a, a positive and a negative way to look at the past and the present or the future. And, and those, depending on which lens you have on, you can, you can actually, uh, you can look at your past and let it define you. Come on, many of us, we have... We have a, a negative past. We have things that maybe we're not uh, you know, proud about, maybe we're ashamed of. And, uh, and we can look at our past and we can let it define us in the present. And that's really not what Jesus came to do. He came to renovate that, that type of thinking and redeem our past. And how many of you know that our story is still being written? Come on, your life is still being written. And, uh, and for some people in their present, they're so caught up in the present that they'd have no vision for the future. And that can be negative. But then also some people, they live so much in the future they live so much in the future through worry and anxiety and, and fear that they don't that they miss today. You know, I've got a I've got a two year old and an eight year old, or they're almost there. Next month, a couple weeks, they'll be two and eight. And um, and and you know, at times for me, I'm I'm kind of the, the analytical person, and I and I tend to look at what's coming in the future, and 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 maybe there's some negative thoughts or fears that come into play. And you know, I was I was hanging out with somebody a couple months ago, and he said this: his kids are all grown and. He said, you know what? You know what I've learned to do is whatever day I'm in, whatever season I'm in, whatever age my kids are, it is the best year ever. It's the best age ever, you know, and I'm not going to look to tomorrow in fear. I'm going to live today because today is where I'm at. And, and I think that for all of us, it's so important that we have this mindset. So anyway, we're going to be really breaking down the past, present, and future of that, of don't miss it, how to have the best year ever. Come on, look, I'm not a big goals guy when it comes to New Year's resolutions. I, I tend to break them by the second hour of the day. And so, uh, but you know what? I, I think that New Year's is a great time to sort of turn the page, turn, turn the page. And so I want to encourage you guys, invite some friends out. It's going to be a good time and, uh, and, and we'll kick off the year right. So let me make sure that I've talked about what I need to talk about. Yes. All right. Okay. 928. All right. Can I get my, my bearings here? All right. So this is the last 
teaching of the year. And today is not really going to be much of a teaching. All right. I really just want to talk to you. And uh, I want to share my heart just about 2019. And again, some of the things that we've taught on and sort of recap some things. Um, you know, everybody in this place, you know what a diet is, right? And many of you this week, you destroyed yours. And it's fine. It's the one week or the two weeks of the year that it's fine, other than Thanksgiving and vacation. <laughs> and just that weird weekend that you just had a rough weekend and you wanted to just eat your way out of it. I don't know. Like, you know, <laughs> we come up with all these ex excuses. I've got, I've got a buddy who he starts a diet like every other Monday. You know, it's like, it's like not this week, next. It's got to start on a Monday, but then usually by Friday it's busted. So then it's got, okay, we'll get to the, get to the, next, the next Monday, you know. But, uh, but the thing about it is, is that sometimes we think that you start a diet and it's this really specific you know, type of eating, and it's this, you know, it's this thing, I mean, you're eating a lot of vegetables, like so many vegetables, and that's, you're on a diet. I like to think of it this way. All of us are on a diet. Every single one of us in this room are, are on a diet. It's just whether you're intentionally on a diet or not, you know what I'm saying? But you're all on a diet. Like this past week, whatever you ate, that was your diet. You know, I have a Jordan Ducote diet. Uh, I, I just realized this a couple years ago that I, I intermittently fast every single day of my life. I didn't realize it. I didn't realize it. But then and all of a sudden it becomes trendy. And like it's, oh, I'm already, see, I just got to wait for the diet to catch up with me. You know what I'm saying? Some of you are, that's the way you live your life. You're, they need to define this, this diet of lots of red meat, lots of sugar, Lots of everything, just whatever's on the menu. And, uh, but we're all on a diet. And, and, and a diet, I looked up the definition of it, and it says this, the kinds of food that a person, animal, or community habitually eats. All right? Doesn't that make it not sound so healthy? <laughs> you're on a diet. All right? You're, you're, you're doing it. And the, in the same way that a diet in regards to food applies to our, our body, it's really the same thing with a church and, and the way that uh, the, the kind of each week that we come together, there's a diet that's being fed. All right, have you, maybe you said this or, or maybe you, you've heard other people say this when they, they're talking about a church that they're going to and they say, I'm just not being fed there anymore, right? And I could say a lot of things about that because most of the time, most of the time, not all the time, of course, most of the time, uh, it's not really necessarily the the food that's being served from the pulpit, that's the problem. Just going to put it out there. A lot of times, it's actually just a self-feeding issue where a person, um, let me tell you something. A baby, when it's born, it needs somebody to feed it for a long time or it's, it will die, right? It needs somebody to nurture it. But at some point, that baby has to begin to eat on its own, Right? Or there's something wrong with the baby. There's something that needs to be kind of kicked into gear. You know, there's something that's off. You know, like I said, like I said a second ago, I've got an eight-year-old and a two-year-old. If my, if my eight-year-old was eating the same food and in the same way that my two-year-old is eating, there's an issue there. There's a development issue. And so sometimes that's, that's the case. There's actually a self-feeding issue. But other times there may be a, a serving issue, Right. And, and in that, in this church, we have a diet. And, 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 and as far as the teachings go, there's something that we're serving up every single week. And, and guys, listen, uh, most people kind of don't think about it from this angle, but, but as a pastor, it's something that you think about a whole lot. You think about a whole lot. 
What are we teaching on? What are we eating on? What perspective are we taking uh, towards the, the word of God? And, and, and from that perspective, that affects our worldview. It affects the culture and the feel in, in the church, right? And in the community here. And so in that, uh, I was really thinking about what is it that we fed you guys this year? What was it that Northwood Church kind of chewed on? And uh, I tell you this, I was really encouraged I'm going to be honest with you, by, by what it is that we taught and what we studied and what we went through. One thing that we really started this year was uh, something called sermon-based small groups, where um, each week uh, from February through May and then from August through November, whatever we taught on on Sunday mornings, there was a lane of our small groups, which were most of our small groups, that took that conversation from Sunday morning and had another conversation about it on Sunday night or Tuesday night or whenever the small groups met. And uh, now it was just so incredible. We're, by the way, we're going to continue to do that. That's something that we're going to be doing in 2020 as well. And, um, and I tell you, the conversations that came out of those times really revealed, um, well, let me put it to you this way. You kind of don't know what your body, how your body is going to respond to a certain diet until after you've been on it for a while. I think that's the problem. Some people, they get on a diet one week and they're like, I don't have a six pack yet. You know, like, what's the deal? You got to give it some time, you know, and some exercise. But uh, the same thing with, with in a church. It's like, man, whatever, or for you as a person, whatever you ingest and whatever you feed on, it, over time, you begin to see results. And, and here's the other part. Whenever maybe you are ingesting the wrong thing and you see the improper results, you, you got to make some tweaks to that diet. And so here's the, the other deal before I really get into what we're talking about is we only share something once a week, Sunday mornings. 52 weeks this year, there was somebody that stood on this pulpit and, uh, and, and delivered a message. There's 365 days in a year, guys. So as far as your personal development, and this is something that goes beyond just this year, as far as your personal development and your walk with God and your understanding of who he is, I'm gonna be honest with you, it's, it's next to impossible for you to completely grow into the potential that God has for you by just sitting once a week and hearing a, a quick 30-minute teaching and expecting that to continue to grow you. No, 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 no. There's another part of your life, your devotional life, that has to be in gear in order for you to continue to grow properly as a child of the king, right? And so I want to encourage you even in that as we wrap up this year, as you look to next year, what is your diet, right? What's going to be your diet plan for the year? For some people, they have a specific time each morning that they get up and they read the Bible and they pray and they sort of center their minds. Other people, it's maybe throughout the day or a lunchtime, or some people, it's right before they go to bed. I'm not a stickler on when and where and how. I don't think that that's, I think that can get very legalistic. Um, it's about you meeting with God, knowing his heart, connecting with him. But what is it that you do? And what is it that you're going to do in order to maintain that relationship? And also to maintain the understanding of some of the things that we talked about this year. So with all that, all that said, uh, I want to recap our 2019 Northwood Church diet. Is that cool? Kind of remind us of what we taught on this year. And I believe that if we could really sum up the, the, big, the big focus this year, we really focused on the gospel. We spent a lot of time sp uh, focusing in on uh, depicting and, and showing through a lot of different verses and books of the Bible what the gospel is, 
why the gospel matters and how the gospel changes our lives. If you don't know what the the gospel is, the gospel simply is the good news of Jesus, of, of the person and the work of Jesus, how he came to this earth, God incarnate, right? He came to this earth. He lived a perfect, blameless life. He died a terrible death that was raised to new life to restore all of creation, to restore us, to redeem us who are born in sin, right? Where our condition is broken because of sin. And, and that was really our focus. And so we started in the month of February, we started in the book of Romans, which is a gigantic book. Uh, and I tell you, this is pretty interesting. After we started the book of Romans, we began to see so many other churches all over the country who were doing the same thing. Not in a certain network, not a certain group of guys that got together and said, hey, let's walk through the book of Romans. People that were from many different uh, denominations going through the book of Romans. I don't know. I tend to look at things like that and say, I think that the Holy Spirit is guiding his church and saying that there is a season right now where the church needs to reconnect in a great way to the truth, to the foundation, to the rock of our belief, which is Jesus. And, and, and so, so in that, we, we talked about Romans. And when we started this series, I read some statements and some goals that, that I had going into this. And one of which was, uh, I thought it was a good lens to look through was a quote from Ray Stedman. Uh, He said this, Romans is one of the books of the New Testament that every Christian ought to be thoroughly familiar with. If you haven't mastered the book of Romans and aren't able to think through this book without a Bible before you, then I urge you to set that as your goal. That's a big goal. But we sort of took that challenge and said, man, let's walk through this book methodically. And basically we went pretty much a chapter a week and we walked through Romans. And there were some really intense conversations, but there were some really big pillars of the conversations. And one of our goals in Romans was for you to know that you're justified, that you're made righteous through faith in what Jesus has done for you, not what you can do for him. We talked a lot about the sequence of salvation, what that looks like. And and the first thing has to start with this realization that you are, you are not right with God. And actually, you're not just not right with him, but there's nothing that you can do in and of yourself to attain some level of right standing before him. If there was, there would be no need for grace. There would be no need for the cross because you could attain right standing before God. But we couldn't do that. We can't do that. We also talked about how our goal would be that you would see the process of consecration or sanctification as a joyful journey of becoming more like Christ, not a begrudging, negative, sledgehammer to the head type of experience where I am nothing, I'm nothing, I'm nothing, but realizing that because of Jesus, you have all the things that are promised to you. You have his righteousness, his holiness, that you are redeemed from death, all of these wonderful things. And so it's actually a joyful journey of of stepping more and more into the light of the gospel, stepping closer into your relationship with God. And as a result of that, you walk away from all of the sinful deeds that we so often define our lives by and so often focus on. And so we talked about how the condition of sin must be dealt with before conduct 
Come on, y'all, this is works-based Christianity. So many people, maybe you're in this place right now, and you're like, hey, I came to church today. I'm getting ready for the new year. I'm, I'm, I'm getting cleaned up. Here we go, all right? I'm gonna start acting right, and then I can you know, lay my head on my pillow at night and know that God is pleased with me. And although there may be some merit to that in regards to the Christian's life, in regards to someone who is far from God, there, there's no merit in that whatsoever because it doesn't matter how good you act, you're still far from him. Because it's built on faith in what Jesus has done. And, and the reason that this is so important is because if you get the cart before the horse, if you get your conduct before your condition, right? If, you, if you're dealing with conduct and you're not worrying about condition, then the best you can hope for is some sort of religious thing. There will be no life in it. There will be no joy in it because it's based upon your conduct, And I don't know about you, but I don't have a lot of faith in my own conduct. It fluctuates. One day I'm good. One day I'm bad. And when I'm good, right, I'm excited and I'm happy. And when I'm bad, I go hide. Look like Adam and Eve, right? They sinned and they went and hid from God. And it's actually against the heart of God because he wants to be with us. And so sanctification Justification deals with the condition of sin we're born into. Sanctification deals with the conduct of believers after salvation. The good news that Paul writes about is the gospel. And we said this statement, and I hope that you remember it, that the good news is so good because the bad news is so bad. The good news of Jesus is so good because the bad news without him is so bad. We needed him to come and fix what was broken. And so, so the book of Romans is broken down. Remember, Paul, the apostle Paul, is writing this to the church in Rome. And chapters one through four dealt with the gospel revealing God's righteousness. Chapter five through eight, the gospel reveals a new humanity. Chapters nine through 12, the gospel fulfills God's promise to Israel. And chapters 13 through 16, the gospel unifies the church. And I love how when Paul writes, he always starts with the main thing. He always starts with the main thing. He's like, hey, guys, we'll get to your conduct. We'll get to how it plays out in the church. We'll get to all these other things. But the gospel, Jesus, his focus on the gospel kept the main thing the main thing. And also Paul's goal was to help us to faithfully preach this to believers and unbelievers that they would be saved. And a very, very important point to be made here is this, guys. As believers, which I know most of you in this room are, you've made a decision to follow Jesus Your decision to follow Jesus and believe in the gospel is not something that you do just to get saved and then you walk away from that truth and you move on to more important matters or some sort of more, uh, I guess, another layer of development. The gospel is what, what, what saves you, okay? The understanding, the revelation of the gospel, but it's also what sustains you. Romans 1, 16, the gospel, it is the power unto salvation, And Paul said, I'm not ashamed of it. So in this place, let's not be ashamed of the gospel, but let's also not walk away from it. Let's not get bored with with singing the songs that we just sang. If you sing a song and it's the 70th time that you sing it, but it's a song that is speaking truth of the gospel, and it's like, I'm kind of sick of this song. Check your heart. Check your motives. Check your understanding of what it is that you are in. Because if we're singing about the gospel, if we're singing about the goodness of God and how we are redeemed because of the blood, come on, how great the power of the blood, 
If you understand these truths, then something in you should come alive every time that you talk about it. It's the gospel. Then after Romans was done, in the summer, we moved into a series called The Jesus Effect. And sort of the subtitle was A New Way to Live. A New Way to Live. And this is kind of the thought behind that was as we moved through Romans, there was a lot of depthy theology, a lot of philosophical conversations and some things that were kind of like, okay, you know, I mean, guys, look, one week we talked about circumcision. Like that was the week in Romans, like we talked about circumcision. And if you weren't here, you're like, why would you do that? <laughs> why would, what would be the point of that? Well, if you read the Bible and you don't understand what circumcision is and what it represents, every time that you see that mentioned, you're like, these people were so weird. <laughs> why do they keep talking about it? Because there's a wonderful spiritual truth to it and it represents something huge for us. And so anyway, there might have been some conversations that were sort of like, wait, what are, we, what are we doing? Because a lot of people are more like the, how does this apply to my Monday morning? Okay? And I think that would be something that needs to be said, is sometimes we're looking for just the to-dos. Like, give me a to-do list. That way I know what I need to do. And then once I've done all of that, then I feel like I'm, I'm doing it well. Okay? Like, Yes. And, and sometimes we don't focus on or worry about or, or get in the weeds of how we're thinking about what we're doing. And so whenever you talk about theology and, and philosophy and all that, that has a lot to do, first off, with how you're approaching the conversation or the topic in the first place up here, the sequence of thought. And so what a lot of times happens, it's sort of like the kid in math class who's like, yeah, 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 just give me the calculator, I just want the answer. And they don't understand how to do the calculation. They don't, they don't get it. So they don't understand it, but they got the right answer and they, they scored 100 on the test. But you take away that calculator, they got nothing. What's that calculator in your life? What is that thing that you're leaning into to give you the right answer? But you have no idea why you believe what you believe. And I went through this a few years ago, and that's why I think it matters so much to me is, is I, was a doing a, I was doing a lot of things. And, 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 and I looked good on the outside because I was doing all the right things, but I was lacking a lot of understanding in a lot of key areas. One of which was simply how much God loved me. Simple, huh? The revelation that God is love and that he loves you is a foundation of your relationship with him. But sometimes we're trying to get too deep. We're trying to get too far out there or we're just trying to get an answer and we miss how deep the simple things are. And so the Jesus effect was sort of like, how does Romans, how does something big, like a, a book like that, and, and with all these moving parts, how does it affect the way that we live? How does it affect the way that we live? We talked about how Jesus is not just a supplement to our lives, but an entirely new way to live, a life that is centered on him. I think it's important for us to also know that the gospel doesn't just change our future, it does change our now. Some people, they get a little bit too far in the future and they forget again, like we're talking about next, this, this next month. What about today? How does the gospel and the redemption of all mankind and all creation, new heaven and new earth way in the future, how does that change my today? And we talked about that. We talked about how the gospel changes our, our occupation, our community, that we would have Christ-centered occupation, that we would work from a Christ-centered lens uh, standpoint, that in this church, that we would live in a way that's centered on Christ 
in our community, in our relationships here in this place, that that we would live a Christ-centered life in regards to generosity, that we would live our lives with an open hand, realizing that everything comes from God. And so we can, because we freely receive, we can freely give. And also we talked about how we need to live a life that's centered on Christ in our worship, that we are creatures of worship. We're created to worship. All of you are worshiping. You're outputting this, this, this worth on something all the time. And we're called to output worth on God. And also we talked about how our lives are redeemed. Our past is redeemed. And again, we're going to lean into that again in January. So that was our summer series. And then we moved forward in August through November. And we went through the book of Ephesians, which I know many of you realized the similarities of Romans and Ephesians and the central point of view on the gospel, (laughs) right? And how many of you uh, were completely sick of the bumper by the time that we got done with the series? Hey, Siri, hey, Siri, hey, Siri, Siri. Right, But we walked through the book of Ephesians, and, and really the subtitle of that series was A Letter to a Busy Church, to the Busy Church. Now, the Apostle Paul writes this letter as well, and he writes it to the church in Ephesus, and he writes it from prison. He writes it from prison, and he, and he says some of the most important things. Come on, if, you, if, you, if you're in prison, you've only got a few, uh, you know, so much time, and you're writing a letter, you're only going to write the things that matter. And he wrote the things that mattered to the church in Ephesus. And these things, I kind of want to lay them out quickly to you, and I hope that it encourages you. The message of Ephesians is that when we embrace the love of Christ, we will also embrace the way of life that Christ loves. One of the questions we asked is, why do we worship? And the main point of that week was, we worship because we have been chosen by the Father, redeemed by the Son, and assured, sealed by the Spirit. We worship God because of these things. We talked about prayer. Why do we pray, right? What do we pray for? Some people, prayer is sort of their last resort. It's their thing, their bailout plan. Things are hitting the fan, and guess what? Oh, God, help me. The Lord's like, I'm surprised that you remember my name, child. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I haven't heard from you in a very, very long time. Because some people treat prayer like that, and it's not, but There's some things that Paul wanted the church to know and some things that Paul prayed for. And he prayed for them that they would know God, number one, that they would know God. One of our statements here is that we want to help people know God. That's a broad statement because it's a broad situation. Some of you, you need to know that God exists. We're going to be talking about that in February. Some of you, you need to know that God loves you. You need to understand his attributes and his character. We're going to talk about that in February. Who is God? We're going to discuss these things first and foremost that, that we need to know God, but also that he prayed that, that we would know God and for him to give us a spirit of wisdom, revelation, and illuminate the eyes of our heart so that we can know the hope of God's calling, the riches of God's inheritance, and the greatness of God's power. Revelation. Some of you are you're poking around trying to find information that will make sense to you in your logical mind. And I want to encourage you to change your prayer that God would reveal himself to you. Don't pray that you could figure something out. Pray that God would just show you his goodness and that he would show you who he is. Change your prayer. That's what Paul prayed for. We talked about the next week, we talked about why is God's grace so amazing? 
Come on, y'all. Amazing grace. And most of the time when we sing that song, it's like at a funeral and everybody's falling asleep. How sweet the... <sighs> right? I sat with a man at, at a local nursing home a couple weeks ago, we, one of our serve projects. And uh, this man was a pastor for, I don't know how long, but he preached for 50 or 60 years. And, and uh, his memory's going and... We had the same conversation a couple times, you know what I'm talking about. But I sat there and talked to him and we sang Amazing Grace. And uh, I don't know that that song's ever gonna be the same for me personally, to watch a man remember with a lot of clarity the goodness of God's amazing grace and sing it from a, a depth that I don't have and sing it from a place that, that drew tears and um, Whenever we have a revelation of the amazing grace of God, it really does, it changes the way that you perceive him and it also changes the way that you think that God perceives you. That his love and his grace, it's so amazing. Everything is based on the grace of God. We read in Ephesians, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, dead in sin. He made, it, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved. Hey guys, don't forget that a dead person cannot bring themselves back to life. Something that is dead has no life in it to redeem itself, to make itself come back alive. You need something with life to give it life, to inject life into it. That's what God has done through Jesus to us. He has redeemed us. He has, even while we were dead in sin, saw us, chose us, pulled us out of darkness, filled us with his life and set our feet on a rock. His grace is good. We talked about who is the church. Here we are. Is the church the people that just show up every single week? Is that who the church is? Who is the body of Christ? And we really depicted and, and explained how the church are those who believe in Jesus. That is the ecclesia. That's, that's, that's the people that are called out. Because a lot of people, they show up to church and they think they're a Christian. And a lot of people don't want to say this. And again, here I am being the Debbie Downer, okay? Like, you know, just because you show up to church does not mean anything. This is just a building. The church are the people who are called out of darkness and set into light. The people who have who have placed all of their hope and all of their faith in Jesus. Now we invite and we, we love everybody to come, whether or not that's really where you're at in life. Everybody's on a journey, but at the same time, let's not cross things up, right? But we talked about how as the church, as believers, because of what Christ did on the cross, we are citizens of God's kingdom. We are members of God's family and stones in God's temple. We went on and talked about a healthy church, that a healthy church sacrificially follows Christ, understands the gospel, is humbled and empowered by the grace of God to proclaim the gospel, and has a very high view of the church. And we answered the big question, why does the church exist? Come on, y'all ever asked that question? Why does the church exist? The church exists to glorify God, to edify the saints, and to evangelize the world. That's why we're here. That's why we're still on this planet. If not, there's no point in being here. We're here to glorify God, to build up the body and to evangelize the world. 
We talked about the power of God, how we need the power of God to be filled with his power to do the will of God and to experience the fullness of God. We need his power. We talked about a healthy church part two, how we need to fight for unity, for diversity, and for maturity in the spirit. I'll take one second and talk about unity here. Unity is not uniformity. Unity is where we have each other's backs and we are maintaining the bond or this, uh, the, the, keeping the spirit of unity in the church through the bond of peace that we have each other's backs. Guys, look, unity in a church is not destroyed from outside. It's destroyed from the people who sit in the chairs every single week, just like a family. So we fight for unity and we're commanded in Ephesians to fight for this unity and to maintain it. We talked about our identity in Christ and how we're as believers to live that out in Christ in a lifestyle that is different from the past, different from our pre-Christian past. Guys, look, your conduct matters. The way that we live our lives as believers matters. We should look a little bit different than the people who don't know Jesus. We should talk, act, look different. There should be something that, that helps us stand upon. Some people define that in improper ways and they, they put things on people that's actually not scriptural. But there is a difference. There is a difference in our conduct. In October, we talked about the family, right? Come on, I hope that all of your families are perfect now because we talked about family. We talked about marriage and parenting and we also talked about in the, the confines of, the, of, the, of a family how important work is. And we went through the last half of chapter five and the beginning of chapter six in Ephesians and talked about these things. It's so important. By the way, I'd encourage you so much this year or, or over the next few weeks, if there's something that you're reminded of that you're like, man, what did, how did we define that? What was that? Please, please go back online and listen, watch. We've got a podcast. You can go on there and, and listen to it. You can listen to it on 1.5, all right? That way it's, it's, it's quicker, all right? That's what I do. All right, good, good. You could do that. That's fine. But I'm telling you, it's so important to kind of be washed in these things. And then, of course, in the month of December, that we just are still in, but we just completed last week, it, the series was the Advent, the coming Savior. And we celebrated and we looked at Jesus coming the importance of it, what Jesus accomplished whenever he came. We talked about hope, peace, joy, and love, and the fact that Jesus brought and he embodied true hope, true peace, true joy, and true love, something that the world tries to define but always falls short of because Jesus embodied the true nature of those things because it's who he is. So in recapping 2019, I think we focused our attention on the person and the work of Jesus and how Jesus has truly changed everything. I think we did that. And I hope that today that you sit and you, you have this understanding and you say, you know what? After looking back, I can see how I have grown in my understanding of who Jesus is. Guys, listen, a lot of times we're looking for flashy. We're looking for flashy stuff. We're looking for things that, that tantalize us and, and, and like, like rev us up. And I believe it's because we're fed that on a day-to-day -day basis. We have phones that if we ever have a second of boredom or silence, we pick it up to fill that space. 
I'm talking about this week. I know a lot of you did that. You know, it's like, you know, you got a lot of time off or whatever. And you're just like, I'm so bored. Facebook. You know, I'm so bored reading, you know, in just, just movies. It's just entertainment. And, and what happens is we start eating on the chocolate, right? We start eating on the candy, the sugar. And all of a sudden, we lose a taste for the meat. We lose a taste for that broccoli. And, and, and I think that we got to have a balance. It's okay to have some chocolate, you know. Actually, I brought chocolate to Dirty Santa this year, and I got my own gift. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't ever bring a gift if you're doing some sort of gift swap that you wouldn't be excited to get yourself. Come on, how many of you had a negative experience in something this year? You're like, who would bring that? Like, you didn't want that. Why would you bring that? You know what I'm saying? Like, like bring a gift that you want. No, never mind. That's my soapbox about, about gift swap. Batteries. I, batteries is $25. It's batteries, dude. Like, anyway. <laughs> Y'all feel me on that. I mean, come on. Let's make... Let's make a stand today. But we, we eat on these things and, and we get used to it. And, and I want to encourage you again as we close to eagerly desire who Jesus is, to seek him, to have conversations with people about who Jesus is, to remember how Jesus has redeemed your life and restored you. Remember your life before Jesus and remember and look at your life now after and see the change, and let that fuel your life. Don't be distracted by the things that you encounter. Don't be distracted by the good things that are going on in your, in your life or the negative things that are going on in your life. But let's focus our attention on him, and I believe that we're going to continue to grow. Come on, right now, would you bow your heads and close your eyes? For all of us in this place, we might be in different spots, and whenever we sing the song and we say the words, Jesus, you change everything. For some of you, 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 you might have experienced that at some point in your life. But it was a long time ago. And it seems so distant. And now you know that you're really far from God. For others of you, you're at a place right now where you're, you're looking for something that will work, that will matter. And even in a, a, a teaching like today where we just talk through just a cursory view of what we've talked about this year, I believe that even in that, the truth of the gospel was communicated. And some of you in this place today, you truly want to say, Jesus, you change everything. And whenever you say that, you mean in your life. And he's here today. He's with you. He knows you. He sees you. He loves you. God sent his son to this earth to die for you, to show you how much he loves you. And he's here today to redeem you, to give you a better life, both now, but more importantly for all of eternity, to be with him. There's a place called heaven and a place called hell. Hell is a place where you are separated from God for all eternity and, and heaven is a place where you are united with him. That's our hope. It's based upon Jesus. And in this place today, if you're far from him, whether you've said this prayer or, or prayed a prayer like this before or not in this moment, let's all come to the throne of grace because his grace is sufficient for you. You can repeat after me or you can pray your own prayer, but let's just pray to Jesus right now. Say, God, I ask right now that you would forgive me of my sin.
I believe in Jesus. I receive his righteousness. I thank you for dying on the cross for my sin, my shame, my fear, giving me a hope and the future based upon something that will not fail. I thank you for the life that I will live from this point forward to glorify you, to lift you up. I thank you for your goodness and for your grace for me. And I repent right now from the life that I have been living and I turn to live a life for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, can we stand to our feet? What I wanna do right now is I wanna take some time. I'll take about the next five minutes. And I want us to worship. I want us to end 2019 in the best way possible, which is us, the church believers who have been called out of darkness into light. And I want us to end with praise. So in this moment, I just want you to, to, to close your eyes and if you feel comfortable, just lift your hands. And the band's gonna begin to play. And we're just gonna be, begin to lift up our own song of worship. Our own song, for some of you, you may not feel comfortable singing where other people can hear you. Eventually you will, for right now, just begin to pray. Just begin to say, God, I thank you for what you've done in me this year. God, I thank you for your goodness. God, that you have covered me, that you have redeemed me, that you have lifted me up. God, that you have revealed Jesus to me. And I praise you, Jesus, for all that you are, God, for all that you've done. You're good, you're holy, you change me, you're the lifter of my head. I exalt you, Jesus. Sing this together. Sing chains fall.
us, God, we lift you up. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your faithfulness, for your righteousness. God, that you are faithful to redeem and restore. God, we thank you this year in 2019 for the lives that were changed. God, where, where fear was broken, where shame was eradicated in our lives. God, we pray that coming up in 2020, that there will be more stories of people's lives who have been changed by your power, by your truth, by your light. God, we open up our hearts. God, we open up the heart of this church to you. God, that we would never be calloused, that we would never be uh, 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 distracted or, 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 or look for something other than you. God, that we would truly be satisfied in you, in your life, in your love, in your truth. And God, we open up ourselves. We thank you for your blessings upon our lives. We thank you for this year. God, for all that you've done in our hearts and in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. Amen. Well, look, in closing today, just a couple of things. Again, if it's your first time here. And also, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, and you ask God to come into your life and change everything. I wanna give you just a couple of next steps. That card that I held up in the beginning of the service, um, the, uh, the what's next card, I'd love for you to take about three minutes. It's a very simple card and fill it out. Take that card and, and go to the next steps area here in the back of the auditorium. We've got some people back there who would love to, to take that card from you, answer any questions that you might have. And, uh, and what we're gonna do is we're gonna take that card. If it's your first time here or if you responded to that prayer. And we're gonna reach out to you this week. We're just gonna send you a text message or an email or make, give you a phone call maybe if that's what you, what you want. But really what it is, is we wanna give you some next steps. We wanna help you on your journey, ask you a couple of questions. And uh, we believe this, that whenever you make a decision to follow Jesus, that the Bible says that you're adopted into the family of God, that you're literally a part of the family of Jesus. And so in that, come on, brothers and sisters, we wanna come around you and support you in that and help you take some next steps. Also, uh, we, we have a couple of different ways that you can give here at Northwood Church. If this is your first time here, just don't worry about what I'm talking about right now. Feel no pressure to do this. But we believe that, that one of the ways that we worship God is by giving. And, and we support many different ministries, honestly, all over the world uh, to advance the kingdom, to, to, to share the gospel with people in many different areas. Also, locally, we do a lot of different things. Also, it does uh, help Northwood Church stay afloat. Come on, y'all. The, the lights don't stay on by themselves. So there is that aspect as well. But, but we believe that we... We give out of a generous heart. So we don't give begrudgingly. We don't give with a frown on our face. We give with a smile on our face and in our hearts because man, we are, are giving to the, uh, to the king. And so, so also with that, um, this is what I want you to do. I want you to enjoy this week. Come on, y'all. I want you to have a happy new year, all right? Come on, hang out with friends and family. Enjoy this time. Guys, look, we're blessed. Even if you're walking through darkness, you have Jesus. Come on, and let's celebrate him. Enjoy this week. Enjoy your time together. Next Sunday, invite some people out. Come yourself because we're going to be sharing some very important information about 2020. I want every single one of you to be here. All right? Sound good? All right, y'all have a great week. We'll see you later on.